0: Yeah, hey, hey, how are we doing across the state? We're live right now with every campus, all 14 across the state. Hasn't this People of Purpose series been absolutely phenomenal? I have absolutely loved it. My name is Austin Duffy, and if I haven't got a chance to meet you, say what up to me, but hey, we got Fuse pastors all across the state and we're one big Fuse family. And what I wanna let you guys know is that I have great relationship and friendship with every Fuse pastor across the state. We are brothers. We're in this thing together. We lift each other up. They encourage me like you'd never know. And so Fuse happens in all these places, but we really are one big family and our Fuse pastors are our brotherhood. And I'm so grateful for your Fuse pastor wherever you are tonight. And I wanted to come out and address this because there's not one room across the state tonight that hasn't been affected by the life of the man that we've got teaching tonight. There's this guy, maybe you've heard of him, his name's Brad Cooper. He sits on the lead team of our church. And what I need you guys to understand is that in 2007, Fuse was still just an idea in that man's heart. And we met in a mall in Anderson, South Carolina, and he had a laptop and he he had a conviction that Jesus wanted to do something in the youth in this state. And I myself sat sixth through 12th grade under this man's teaching and I owe him so much. And I'm just so excited that we've had this amazing series, People of Purpose. We wanna be people of purpose. This is a man who has lived out his purpose and has not sh- you know, shied back whenever things got tough. We will never know the amount of prayers and hours he has spent uh, in intercession for us as a church and for us as children in this house. So here's what I want us to do tonight. Let's lean in, because there is something we have to get. There is something that this man has walked in that we have access to tonight. He is not just bringing some skill that he has honed, but he has the spirit of God and has sought God's face, and he has something for each one of us tonight. He has the power of God on him, and he is coming to share it with us. So, will we get our notebooks out? Will we lean in? Would you guys stand with me? Put your hands together and welcome my pastor, Brad Cooper. Love you. Love you. Thank you, Thank
1: you man. man, hey, I love y'all. Um, I wasn't anticipating that. <laughs> That's called, this is called "Getting' Got." Um, I was thinking earlier today, first of all, let me, let me make a couple of... Normal statements: um, I was trying to play basketball 10 days ago on my day off. It was Friday. It was 6:07 a.m. at the local area, YMCA. I was playing with a bunch of guys that thought they were ballers. And I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I got game. I take the ball, I cross over. I take it from here, I go behind the back. I got him leaning. I'm ready to set him up for the cross over right in front of him. He's going to fall right here. So watch this. I'm like, bop, bop. I'm about to snatch him right here. I go to snatch him. I crossed him over so hard I broke my own ankles. (laughs) It wasn't really my ankle. It was my medial meniscus. I went to find out. My MRI said I fell on the ground because I literally my knee just quit. And so now I have like this surgery that's going to happen in two days. But I'm not on crutches, so if you see me limping a little bit up here, it's because this guy right here has got a little bustedness to it, but it's all good. So if you guys want to throw a prayer up for me in the next couple of days, I'd be so grateful for that, Um, but that's why I'm limping tonight, so if I just kind of, you know, sit down in a minute, I might do that. I love Fuse, and I love you, and I love every one of the Fuse folks on every single campus. Uh, Austin was just up here, but I was thinking about it earlier, Hmm. And, um, man, I just want you to know that you just might be here, and you're like in the seventh grade or in the tenth grade, and you're just thinking this is not that big a deal. But I'm telling you what God's doing in your life right now is massive, and it will carry you for the rest of your life. And so, listen, there is nothing special about me, y'all, and there's nothing special about any of these leaders the only thing special about us is that we know the perfect God of the universe and he has got special plans for our life and we've just said yes to that. And, and I just want you to know you can say yes to that. And he's got things he wants to do in you. And listen, you don't have to get a degree for that to happen. You don't have to have a certain amount of money for that to happen. You don't have to have a certain IQ. You don't have to be in a certain family or raised with a certain pedigree. You just have to say yes to Jesus. And Jesus will absolutely blow your mind He'll do more in you than all you could ask or imagine if you just give him your life. And so, at the end of the night, in a little bit, you're going to get a chance to do that. If you've not done that, I want you to know you can do that tonight. Um, I haven't shared this publicly. My wife and I have not, but I'll tell you something. We're we're today four weeks away from having our third child. We're excited. Um, Sunday is Mother's Day. My wife is actually going to be hosting the service. Um, She's uber pregnant and eight months pregnant, but she's hosting the service on Mother's Day. And she's got a little boy in her. And his name, listen, his name is Gaines. And his name is Gaines because of the thing I just told you. You see, God wants to do more. He wants to do more than all we expect, all we could imagine, that's what Ephesians three twenty uh, 3.20 tells us. It's what Psalm 16 says. It says, in Jesus, that man, our inheritance is more. That the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. And I just want you to know, I don't know what you're coming in from. I, you know, I don't even know if you're like even listening or you're like looking at your phone right now. But I just want you to know, God has so much for you. And if you'll lean in for like 20 minutes, I promise you I'm not going to waste your time tonight, okay? So if you got a Bible and you want to open it up to the book of Judges, chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16... It's the story of a man named Samson. And in this series, I love this series called People of Purpose because it is about a reality that I think every one of us needs to wrestle with. You see... My daughter, my oldest child, she's five. She starts kindergarten next year. We were just registering her the other day, and she's already in pre-K. We're trying to get her ready for going into school, so she goes like a couple of hours every day to this like little pre-K, and one of these questions that gets asked to her, and it gets asked of you, and it gets asked of all of us when we're growing up, finish it if you know it. You're you're growing up, and people come up to you, and they ask you this question. They they ask you, what do you want to be? You know it, so you've heard it. And we we get asked this question, and it's a question about purpose. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And here's the deal. I want you to know that that question is something that every single generation wrestles with. I mean... Every volunteer here, young and old, anybody listening on YouTube or watching this later online, it it doesn't matter if they're an American or or if they're a, a Brazilian. It doesn't matter what time period you were born in right here, 2019, or you were born like back in the 1500s. Every single human, look at me, every single one of us wrestles with the reality of what are we meant to do. It's the question of purpose. Matter of fact, it's one of, I think, the four major things that God wants to show you in your life. He wants you to discover your purpose. And, and you've got one. And when listen, when you discover your purpose, when you figure out what it is, you will live a life that makes a difference. You should write that down. When you discover your purpose, when you discover what you were meant to do on this earth, and you get a hold of this thing, or better yet, it gets a hold of you, You will live a life that has an incredible impact and makes a difference. Now, listen, the question that my daughter's been asked, what do you want to be when you grow up, I think is a good one. It's helpful, but it's not the most helpful. The better question, I think, is how do you want to be when you've grown up? Not what do you want to be, but how do you want to be? And, and honestly, this question of purpose is so ingrained into our culture and into our world, um, it, it really does matter that, that you get this wrestled to the ground because here's what happens in high school. Okay, some of you high schoolers know this. Here's what happens in college. Here's what happens in graduate school. Here's what happens in your young career. Is people, they put this idea of what do you wanna be when you grow up in front of you, but then everybody tells you to make the decision based on one of two things, either these two things. Whatever's gonna make you wealthy, or successful. And those are kind of the major areas. And the, the third one's probably what's gonna make you happy. Those are, and so everybody tries to choose their college major or what they wanna do by, by based on how, how can I make the most money? How can I get the most stuff? Because I know when I grow up, I wanna have stuff. I wanna have a house. I wanna have shoes. I wanna have cars. I wanna have things. I wanna have trinkets. I wanna stack stuff. I want things. And so listen, let me tell you this. That's not what purpose is. That's not what purpose is about. And as a matter of fact, hundreds of years ago, these brilliant, brilliant, brilliant men and women got together and, and, and they recognized that they needed to answer the question of purpose. It was actually just post-Renaissance and Christianity was really, really going through a reformation. It was, if you're looking in your history books, it's right after the Catholic Church gets reformed and now all of a sudden there's, there's people that have learned to read their Bible For the very first time, they're getting introduced to the things of God. They don't have to go to a priest to hear about the Bible. They can actually read the Bible in their own language because the printing press got invented. People were getting entrusted with the Spirit of God and learning about it, and and, and they get together at this thing called um, the Westminster Catechism. It was kind of wild, okay? The Westminster meeting, and these church leaders, these brilliant minds of the day. I want to put it on the screen for you. They came up with our purpose. They really looked at the scripture, talked about it, got it together, and I want to give it to you because I think if you could get a hold of this tonight, it could change everything, okay? Here's what they came up with. Our purpose, human purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it on the screen right there. I want leave it up on the screen for a minute. I want you to get a hold of this. It's not to make money. It's not to marry someone who's beautiful. It's not to have, a, have a, a second home at the lake or at the beach. It, it, it's, not, it's not to have cars and stuff. Look at it. Our purpose, human purpose, according, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture in just a second. We're going to talk about being a people of purpose. And if we're going to get a hold of this, it can make all the difference in where you go to college and what you do after college and who you marry and what you spend your career and your, your 75 years on earth doing. It can make all the difference if you get a hold of this. Your purpose, the thing that's going to ultimately bring you the most fulfillment, and I'm going to prove it to you in just a little bit, is is about glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. And here's something that you've got to wrestle with. I thought growing up in church that it was glorifying God or enjoying life. I thought those two things were at odds. I don't know if you felt like this, but I grew up in church not like New Spring Church, ultra, ultra formal. I'm very grateful for it. But I didn't feel, anybody ever felt like church wasn't fun? Come on, we're at church tonight. Let's be honest. Raise your hand if you felt like church wasn't fun. Yeah, man. I felt like sometimes church was a chore. It was boring. And it was like I'm sitting there and I'm playing tic-tac-toe on the back of offering envelopes, and I don't know these songs, and it was boring. And and again, it was probably just my immaturity at the time, but church wasn't fun. And then I thought, really, I thought following God, doing the things of God, living life on purpose, meant that I had to like dutifully try to stop doing things and try to do good things, and and it was all about my strength and my effort. And, And honestly, I felt like that you had two choices in life. You could either do the things of God or you could have fun. You can either live life, have a great summer, you know, have a blast partying, hook up, do do a lot of social stuff, or you can say no to all that stuff and then decide to try to glorify God. Because a lot of the Christians that I saw, they looked like they were really bored, not having a lot of fun, didn't have a lot of friends, and and it just looked like that these two things were at odds. But here's the trick, Lean lean in, lean in, you gotta catch this. That purpose statement did not say glorify God or enjoy life. It said, here's the deal, we glorify God and enjoy Him forever. There's this beautiful thing when you understand the truth of Christianity, when you understand what it is to live on purpose, is that you, fully alive, is how God gets glory. You living a life as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as a college student, as a volunteer, as a mom, as a dad, as a doctor, as a dentist, as a athlete, whatever you do, and you living your life fully alive is the way God gets glory. And anything less, you weren't meant to do. Anything less is not God's heart for you. We are meant to be a people of purpose. Now, Let me get to Samson, because you guys have been in the book of Judges, and let me talk to you about him, because here's the the thing about Samson, and if you don't know his story, it's in the book of Judges chapter 13. I want to read it to you a little bit, um, because Samson, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I've got a couple other scriptures I want you to have in your back pocket for glorifying God forever. First one is 1 Corinthians 10 31. They'll put it on the screen. Here's what the Bible says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all of it, what does it say, fuse? Do all of it to the glory of God. And, and I love how the Bible tells us that whatever you eat or drink, like things that we do all the time, we don't even think about. Like you're going to leave here tonight, go buy Chick-fil-A, go by wherever you go, by Zaxby's or you know, Raising Cane's or whatever you do in your space. And you're going, to, you're going to get up tomorrow, you're going to do your thing at school or you're going to do your thing over the summer. And the Bible says that, that you can actually glorify God in the way you eat and the way you drink. In the most basic, simple things in life, you can do it to the glory of God. It also says this in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. It says this about life. It says, for from God, that's who the hymn is, and through God and to God are all things. To God be the glory forever. And so I just want you to catch this. One of the reasons that you might be dealing with depression tonight, anxiety, or any of the things that are going on in that regard in your life is because you have not been living to the glory of God potentially the reason that you don't have joy in your life or that you have a heaviness on your life or that maybe somebody in your life that you know is carrying heaviness is because they've been trying to make life about something else other than God. And I just want you to know you were designed to live to the glory of God. And when you live to the glory of you or you live to the glory of your boyfriend or you live to the glory of making money or you live to the glory of building up a platform, then you're gonna be depressed. You're gonna be anxious, you're going to be not ultimately living on purpose. And so one of the greatest things that could happen to you is for you tonight to get a hold of this reality that your great call in life is to live to the glory of God and enjoy him. And listen, you cannot settle for happiness. You've got to push in and go after joy. And there's a difference. Not temporal happiness, pursue joy. So now that brings us to Samson. All right, so Samson, we're there. We're, we're talking about his life, and here's where Samson shows up. He shows up in a time when God's people are completely enslaved, and God shows up to Samson's mama and daddy before Samson's even here and says, the angel of the Lord shows up to, to Samson's mom and daddy, and says, I'm going to give you a son, and he's going to do great things for me. He's going to help free my people. He's going to help be a warrior for my people. And so Samson ends up being born with all kinds of expectation. Here's what the Bible says in uh, Judges chapter 13, verses 24 and 25. Ready? Here it is. It says, and then Samson's mama, the woman, bore a son, and she called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And look what it says. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And so Samson, from birth, was already operating in the Spirit of the Lord. Now, let me help you connect this, because this is in the Old Testament, so something you just need to know, a little bit of theology. Let me drop a little note right here, okay? In the Old Testament, everybody didn't operate in the power of the Spirit of the Lord, okay? They didn't operate that way in the Old Covenant. That's what the New Testament, the New Covenant, is all about. Maybe you've heard about this. Jesus came, he died, was buried, resurrected in power, and then he ascends into heaven, and he says, I'm going to send to you my helper, my Holy Spirit, and and it's going to be a good thing. And so he does. He sends his Holy Spirit to us. And so now in the New Testament, in our day, we live this same way by the power of the Spirit of God. Now check this out, because the Lord dropped this on me. Samson, back in the old covenant, is a perfect example of what a Christian today looks like in our world. How many of you have heard the phrase, have you been born again? Show of hands on all of our campuses. Show of hands, raise them high, been born again. Okay, cool. That's exactly what happened to Samson. He was born, and the Spirit of God was on his life. Now, if you here today are saved, are born again, uh, maybe you didn't realize this is what was happening at the time, but exactly what happened in your life is what happened to Samson. Okay? You were realizing that something was off in your life, something... You had this small voice in your heart that was drawing you, that was wooing you. Maybe some friends invited you to church. Maybe it was a sermon like this. Maybe it was, and, and all of a sudden, you didn't know it maybe was the, the Spirit of God, but God, in His Spirit, starts convicting you, starts drawing you, and, and you make a decision, if you're a Christian, that, man, I want to I invite Jesus to make his home in my heart. I want to invite him to reside in me. And, and so maybe that means you raised your hand at the end of a service, or maybe you prayed a prayer, or maybe, maybe it's going to be tonight. Maybe this is what you're feeling right now. But the same kind of thing happened to Samson at the beginning of his life as what's happened to many of you if you're a Christian. The Spirit of the Lord is on your life, and you're born again. He causes you to be born again. And here's what Samson actually had for the whole time he was alive on earth. He had this extraordinary, supernatural, spirit of God power in his life. I mean, you got to go read the whole story. I don't have time tonight if you used to read the whole story. But this guy was a boss, y'all. Like one time, he's he's hanging out, he's super strong, and the enemy gets all surrounded him. 1,000 soldiers of the enemy, they were called the Philistines. This is the same people that that Goliath came out of. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines surrounded Samson. There's a 1,000 of them, they're everywhere. And he looks down and he's got nothing to fight with and he sees a dead donkey, like dried out over here and he sees that skeleton. So he reaches down, grabs the jawbone of this donkey and he just starts just busting all these soldiers. They got swords and spears and shields And, and when the dust settles, 1,000 Philistines are dead, and Samson's gripping this jawbone, and it's like, whoa, dude, how'd you do that? Well, he didn't do it in his own strength. He did it in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It was on his life from the beginning of his life. Now, check this out. Multiple times, this kind of thing happened to Samson, where he would just do incredible, incredible strong bold, strength things and ultimately Samson would lead many people in Israel out from underneath the brutality and the slavery of the Philistines. The Philistines were the ruling party at the time and I I just want to make this connection. I want to make this connection Um, and this in many ways, is what the Christian life is like for you. If you're here tonight, you're a Christian. You've been born again. You were born again. The Spirit of God caused you to be born again. The Bible tells us when we're born again that we have the Spirit of God in us and that many times in our life we operate in supernatural, not like pick up a jawbone and kill a thousand people kind of power, but like supernatural power. Like when you pray a prayer, Christian, things shift in the unseen. I don't know if you know that or not. When you when you raise your hands in worship and lift up your voice and you praise God like we were just doing on all of our campuses, things are shifting in the atmosphere around you. You might not know it, but where two or three are gathered, Jesus says, I'm there with you also. The Bible says the words we speak, the words we speak bring faith into spaces. And you you have power, and maybe you don't operate in it. Samson didn't operate in it all the time, but the Bible says if you've been born again, you have the power of God residing on your life. But check this out, because I think Samson's going to help a lot of us. Samson is the perfect example in the Old Testament of someone who didn't understand the supernatural power of God on his life, and he actually misuses it. And I don't want that to be us living today with the power of God on our lives but not doing it on purpose. Okay, so check this out. Samson ends up growing up like many of us. You read his story, and um, and the first thing that happens after Samson kind of grows up is he comes to mom and dad and he says, "Mom and dad, I was walking around today in town and I saw her. She was fine. I don't know if he said that, but he he saw her. Now she didn't love Jesus. She wasn't a Christian." But it didn't matter because she was so fine. And he said, Mom and Dad, I want you to go get her for me. And um, that's the way they did it back in the day. Mom and Dad went to talk to the parents of the other the person. And, and, and Mom and Dad pushed back They so said, Samson. She, she doesn't believe like we believe. She doesn't believe in God. She doesn't believe in the promises of God. She's, she's, not, she's not who you are meant to be with, Samson. He says, I don't care, and I want you to see exactly what he says. He says this, and it's, it's actually in chapter 14. He says, I don't care. Um, she looks good to me. Uh, specifically, she, he says, she looks good in my eyes. Check this out. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. And that phrase is underlined because the whole book of Judges is about these people that would do things that were right in their eyes and not God's eyes. You need to see this. This is where we go wrong. This is where we start to blow it up. We, we, when we've got the power of God in our lives, but we start to do things that are right in our eyes and not God's eyes. And so Samson tells mom and dad, I don't care, I want her. And he does this not one time, not two times. There's three times it's recorded that Samson ends up going after women that he was not meant to be with. And he lets the passions of his flesh rule him. And so here's what I need you to know. I know we're coming into summertime. Next week is FSKO. Tim Ross is going to be here. It's going to be to 250. And then we're going to get into a month of June is coming. It's going to be awesome. I mean, people are going to be at the pool. People are going to be at the beach. People are going to be at the lake. Everybody's going to be like wearing their bathing suits. And everybody's going to be taking selfies. And everybody's going to be wearing their bikinis. And there's going to be beautiful people all summer around you all the time. And you're going to have passions start to well up in your life. And just side note, that's way normal. But here's what I want you to catch. Not just just passions for the opposite sex, but you're going to have passions and cravings to do things in your life with your money, with your free time, with your platform, with your sport, with your brain, with your friends. You're going to have chances to let cravings and passions drive your life. And that's what Samson did. He had the power of God on his life, just like many Christians do. But he decided over time to say yes again and again and again, not to God's ways, but to his passions. All right, not to God's ways, but to his passions. Here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write this phrase down. Passion must be submitted to purpose. All right, this is massive. And this is, this is something that is so, so helpful. I wish somebody had told me this when I was your age passions aren't bad it's not bad to think he looks cute ladies fellas it's not bad to go she's beautiful it's not bad to go man i want to make a difference and it's not bad to think about and maybe i don't know what your passions are maybe you are absolutely so passionate about fashion like seriously You see it before anybody else does. You read blogs and you look at Instagram accounts and you follow what's going on in Tokyo because you know that in Tokyo, they're the front end of the fashion curve. Maybe you're watching what's going on at the Met Gala tonight and you'll be kind of keeping up with it because you're like, no way, that's not the fashion edge. You're looking and seeing what's going on. Fashion is your thing. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna live for Jesus or if I'm gonna live for fashion. And I just wanna check this out. I want you to know that passion's For fashion aren't a bad thing and you don't have to make a choice what you've got to figure out though is how your passion for fashion is submitted to the purpose of God and maybe that's not your thing maybe you're like bro I am I don't care anything about fashion and the person beside you is like we can tell just kidding just kidding burn sorry um stop pointing all right but here's the deal maybe your thing is you are passionate about sports I mean, passionate. Maybe you're passionate about the sports you play, or maybe you're passionate about keeping up with sports and you love stats and analytics and you keep up with what's going on in the playoffs. And here's what you're playing money ball and you're checking all the algorithms out and you've got a passion about sports. What you've got to figure out is how you get that passion submitted to God's purpose. But here's where people blow it and here's where Samson blew it. When our passion, I want you to write this down, when our passion outruns God's purpose, it hurts us and it hurts others. And this is what this is what happens in people's lives is they think you've got to make a choice. I can either live for God or I can live for these things that I'm passionate about. But what you've got to do is you've got to realize that the greatest thing we live for in all the universe is to the glory of God and that my passion has to be submitted to that, that it bows its knee to the glory of God and now I live fully alive in that direction and I figure out how I can make football about the glory of God I figure out how I can make fashion design about the glory of God I figure out how I can make neurology and brain surgery and science about the glory of God politics to the glory of God being a mom to the glory of God raising kids as a dad to the glory of God working a nine-to-five babysitting being a lifeguard at the pool this summer and I'm passionate about making money but I'm gonna figure out how to do it to the glory of God And because here's what happens. If your passion gets outside of God's purpose and you live for it, ultimately it's gonna hurt you and it's gonna hurt others around you and listen, if you'll take it from a big brother, I've seen it happen. I could sit up here and tell stories that would break your heart but you know what? Right here, in the story of Samson, that's what happened. You get to the end of his story. And you can go read it tonight. It's right there at the end of chapter uh, 16. Samson ends up chasing his passions and getting out from under God's purpose in his life. And ultimately, the Lord removes his power, his spirit from Samson. And ultimately, Samson ends up being enslaved by the Philistines. They actually put him around a mill. You guys know what a meal is? Okay, back in the day, you didn't get to go to the grocery store and buy grain or buy bread. You actually had to get it from the field, put it in the mill, and then they would put a donkey or a really strong man named Samson around the mill wheel. And Samson literally pushed and would grind the grain of the mill wheel all day long. And they cut his eyes out. They blinded him. Because if you walk in a circle for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, you get dizzy. And you actually go crazy. And so they cut his eyes out. And so if you can imagine, Samson at the end of his life, listen to me, he has no eyes. And he's a slave to the Philistines. And in the end of his story, they, the Philistines are having a huge party in their temple. Their temple to the god Dagon. And they're, they're bragging on how Dagon was stronger than the God of Israel, the God of Samson. And they're drinking and they're partying and they said, bring out Samson, let's have him perform for us. That's how it sounds in my head. Samson comes out, he performs for him. I don't know if he's like up there flexing or lifting things real heavy over his head, I don't know what he's doing. But he's performing and uh, Samson asks the little boy that's leading him around to help him put his hands on the pillars of the temple of Dagon so he can lean against him because he's a little gimpy like me. So he's leaning against the pillars and he asks God, God, give me your strength again. He, he prays for forgiveness. He asks God to remember him. And so God had to blind him ultimately to save him. That's what I believe. God had to enslave him ultimately to set him free. Because God loves him so much, he wasn't going to let him give his life to something that was lesser. And in the end, Samson ends up pushing the pillars of the whole temple of Dagon down and destroying more of the enemy in that moment than he had ever done before. The Bible says 3,000 of the enemy were destroyed that day. But Samson also died in that moment. And here's the deal. If we can zoom out and catch the picture, if we get our passion out from underneath God's purpose, in the end, all that's left is a lot of hurt and a lot of destruction and a lot of rubble. And I I said it at the very top, but but I want to make sure you catch this too. If we're called to live for the glory of God and enjoy Him forever, listen, check this out. Look at me. God's glory is going to happen. One of the great things about this story is Samson made some really bad decisions with his life. He made some really poor choices, but God's going to get his glory, y'all. The question isn't is God going to get his glory? You looking at me? The question is are you going to get your joy? Because God got his glory in the end. In the end the enemy was defeated, and the enemy that in the end the Israelites were set free from the season, but the joy just like his hair was cut away from Samson's life. He did not enjoy God for that season. And this is what I see so many Christians do, especially in the summertime, especially. And that's why we're preaching this so hard tonight. That's why I really feel like this was why I was invited to preach this tonight, is that, man, you have been born again. You've got the spirit of the living God living inside of you. You have been moving maybe even perhaps this year in some really powerful ways. You've seen God do powerful things in your life and in your friends and in your group. And God's going to get his glory out of your life. But the question is, are you going to get your joy? And this is the mystery of the Bible. God has sovereignty. But he gives us this really beautiful thing called choice. And Samson had choices to make again and again and again. And you and I have choices to make with our will. We get to decide if we are going to give in to little, small happiness that looks like it would satisfy us, or are we going to trust God And are we going to go for it? And ultimately, he's going to reward you with joy. Joy is the reward of a life of obedience. You can write that down. Joy is the reward of a life of obedience. Here's what I want you to also put on the, the notes. When our passion is submitted to God's purpose, it fulfills us and it helps others. That's another way to say it. When our passions whether it be fashion or sports or, or medical pursuits or being a lawyer or a politician or being the best mom or dad. or be, When our passions are submitted to God's purpose, we get fulfilled, we get joy. We get it because joy is a, one of the fruits of obedience. But not only do we get filled, it ends up blessing everybody else around us. And this is what God has for you. This is what being a people of purpose is all about. I, uh, I have a, a lot of, lot of respect um, for uh, preachers of old, and one of the preachers of old that I really loved what he did, because I think he, he got this right, was he submitted his passion to God's purpose, is a, is a guy named Martin Luther King Jr., anybody ever heard of him, MLK? Um, I, was, I was a political science and communication studies major in college, and I had a specific focus in African American protest rhetoric. And I loved that because I studied some people that, that, man, blew my mind. They changed culture. And one of those men was Martin Luther King Jr., And if you haven't researched him, if you haven't studied what he did, you ought to go and do it sometime. It'll blow your mind. But ultimately, he talked about doing nonviolent protest. He wanted to see change happen. He had a passion to see change occur. But he was submitted to God's purpose. And so he didn't want to do it with with sword or with guns or with batons. He wanted to do it nonviolently. And so he was submitted. He took his passion and he submitted it to God's purpose. But he had a mentor in his life. And any great leader has mentors in their life. They have a great small group leader. I want to tell you one of the quotes from one of the men that mentored Martin Luther King Jr. His name was Dr. Howard Thurman. And Dr. Howard Thurman said this quote. It's going to pop up on the screen. I'm going to read it off there. He says, hey, and I can just hear him telling Martin this. Hey, Martin, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive, Martin, and go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Man, that man that gets me going right there. Look at it. Go ahead put it back up. I'm sorry. Look at it. Don't ask what the world needs. That's the wrong question. But instead ask what makes you come alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I just want you to know that's what this ministry is trying to do. That's what this series is about that we want you to be a people of purpose, a passionate people of purpose. That's what this church is about. We want you to discover your purpose. It's one of the, the four major promises that I believe God wants you to discover because when you discover your purpose and you go after it passionately and you get those things aligned, you live a life that makes a difference and you do it again and again and again in every season of your life over and over. But listen, Samson had God's spirit on his life. But in the end, he ended up having a lot of rubble and a lot of hurt because he did not submit his passions to God's purpose. That's why you need groups. That's why you need mentors. That's why you need to be here as much as you can over the summer. That's why, man, that's why we're doing Gauntlet. That's why we're doing FSKO is because we want you guys to get to the end of your lives just like that quote said and go, man, I lived life fully alive. The great writer Mark Twain has a quote that's, man, it's sobering to me. It says this. Mark Twain wrote this. He said, most men die at 27. And you're like, no, they don't. I know lots of men that aren't dead at 27. Comma. We just bury them at 72. And the point of that quote is there's so many people that get into their 20s and they lose the zeal And their imagination and the wonder and the passion of their youth. And life hits them in the face. Bills hit them in the face. Marriage hits them in the face. Having kids hits them in the face. Having to work a nine-to-five hits them in the face. Maybe you've had some of this happen to you. And so life comes at you. And so somehow, some way, the enemy uses that to destroy something. And so people don't live lives. They just exist. And then they die one day at 72. But for the last 50 years, all they've done is just exist. And I just want you to know, look at me. That's not what God's plans are for you. That's not what he's got. That he wants you to live a life fully alive. And the thing that draws people to church, to Christianity is when they see men and women living life on purpose with their passions submitted to the purpose of God, glorifying Him, and I'm gonna enjoy Him forever. So don't settle for little happiness. Go after joy. The way you can tell joy is joy suffers. Joy suffers. I told you guys, my wife and I are about to have a baby. One of the things about having kids is it's, it's a painful experience. Just side note, I don't know if you've studied biology, Um, but it's a pain. It's uncomfortable while she's pregnant. She she doesn't sleep through the night. She gets up and down a lot. She can't walk like she wants to walk, especially right here. We're eight months in and she's just waiting. She's just waiting. And and then you go into labor and I won't put a diagram up, but it's a pretty incredible process, but it's full of pain, sweat, tears. There's some (laughs) you'll learn about all that. There's a little bit of yelling. The nurses are like, just yell, just yell. And she's, push. And she's going, ah. And she's holding my hand, and I'm going, ah. But listen, here's the point. But it's for joy, because you, chi- you have a new child. And as soon as mama's holding that baby, she's so happy. She doesn't think about the pain She's so overwhelmed with the emotion of the gift that God's brought into our lives. It's beautiful. It's joy. It's not happiness. And that's what God has. There's some things, and it's gonna be a, there's going to be some really tough things you walk through. But when you walk through knowing that you're glorifying God, there's joy in it. That's how Jesus went to the cross, by the way. It said, for the joy set before him, Jesus put the cross on his back. He despised the shame. He took shame so that you and I don't have to carry shame anymore. He got nailed up there so that you and I don't have to live eternally apart from God. He made a way for you and I to have our sin and our shame forgiven forever so that you and I could come into a relationship with Father God. And that's on offer tonight. And that's where many of you might need to start. And that's where many of you might need to be reminded that God has made a way for you to be a part of his family and for you not to just live, but to live a fully alive life. So, on every campus, do you mind doing this? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I want to give all of our campuses a chance to just, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, and here's why. Right now, we're joining with God looking inside. And let me just ask a couple of questions Are you alive? Have you been born again? Have you ever had a moment where the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and you have said yes to him? Yes, I want to receive your forgiveness on the cross, Jesus. Yes, I want you to make your home inside of me. Yes, I want to receive your new identity, not my old identity. I want to receive a new identity. Has there been a moment where you've done that? If not, in just a moment, I'm going to let you say yes to him. He might be speaking to you now. The other group of people in the room, maybe you are a Christian, but man, you don't feel like you're alive. You just feel like you're kind of going through the motions, going to class, studying, getting ready for the semester to be over, getting ready for the summer break to happen, getting ready, just kind of going through the motions. You're going through the seasons. You're just doing it. Man, God's got some, some real life He wants to give you, and maybe tonight is it. Maybe tonight God is really stirring you up to discover your purpose is to glorify him and to enjoy him. Not to just trudge through life. Not to just make it. But to live fully alive. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond as well. So let's go back to that first group. If tonight you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to say yes and invite him to come and live inside of you, his spirit to come and live inside of you, to direct your path, if this is your moment right now, I want to pray a prayer for all those people that want to do that tonight, young and old. If, th- if you want to pray that prayer and ask Jesus to let you be born again, a new identity, get a fresh start, a clean slate. If that's you, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but I just want you to raise your hand up over your head right now. I'm not going to count. If that's you, just slip your hand up right there. Go ahead. Just in boldness. Don't look around. Not taking a popularity poll. This is for you. God wants you to be invited into the family. He wants to forgive you. He died on the cross for you. He wants you to live a life fully alive. And that can start right now if you would just respond to that Holy Spirit voice inside of your heart. Just lift your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm going to be quiet for a moment. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Awesome. 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 Anybody else? Awesome. Praise God. Come on. Any young men need to say yes to him tonight? Stop living for yourself. I feel that. I feel like there's some young men in here that need to say yes. Anybody else? Awesome. All right, if your hand is up, you can just slip it right back down. And here's what we're all gonna do. We're all gonna pray this. Every single one of us, we're gonna pray a prayer, and this is for our friends that have raised their hand. We're gonna ask Jesus to do that. So on every campus, out loud, I want you to pray with me. Let's all pray together. Let's say, dear Jesus, thank you. For forgiving me. Thank you for making a way. Jesus, come and live inside of me and direct my path for the rest of my life. Thank you for giving me a new identity. Thank you for never leaving me or forsaking me. I love you, Jesus amen. Come on, on every campus, let's put our hands together and celebrate. No, seriously, let's celebrate. God changed some people tonight. Don't let that get old. In this room, I saw several hands. I don't know what's happening on your campus, but we can celebrate. God's doing it everywhere. Everybody's eyes are up. Now, here's what I want to do. The lights are up on every campus. You're a Christian. Maybe you're a volunteer. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for a short time. But if tonight, you've felt something turn in you and say, man, I want to take my passion and submit it to God's purpose. I want to do that tonight. I don't want to live for me. I don't want to live ch- chasing my fashion passion and doing that over here. I want it to be submitted to God's purpose. I don't want to be living for my athletics or my platform over here. I want it to be submitted to God's purpose. And I want to let you do this in front of every single person in here. Okay, I want you to feel the power of this. If you know tonight that that's you, you're already a Christian, but you want to live a life with your passion submitted to God's purpose. I want to invite you to just simply stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. We're going to be quiet, but if that's you, amen, amen, amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet on all of our campuses. If that's you, amen, amen. We're going to be quiet. I want people to feel the decision you're making. You're making a choice. I want to, I want to make my passions under God's purpose. Let me make you a promise. If you do this, it's going to fulfill you. Not going to be easy. There might be some pain involved. But it's going to not just fulfill you and give you joy. It's going to help others. You're going to help others. The best ideas come out of people like this. The best organizations come out of people like this. The best moms and dads come out of people like this. The best medical doctors and business leaders and politicians come out of people like this that say, I wanna take my passions that God's put in my soul and I wanna submit them to his purpose. And so I wanna pray for each one of you that are standing on all of our campuses. So leaders, can we move to these folks? Friends, can we move to these folks? Let's put a hand on the shoulder. I'm gonna pray and then when I say amen, worship leaders are gonna take over on all of our campuses and we're gonna go for it for the next few minutes, okay? Put a hand to the shoulders of those folks that are standing. Let them know that you're proud of them. Hey, I'm going to pray, but I want to invite you to go ahead and pray. If you're their small group leader or you're their friend, go ahead and start praying out loud over them. That's okay. Just pray a prayer over them. Father God, thank you for these young people that recognize that you've put a passion in their heart and that this world doesn't need people to just go and try to do things. The world needs fully alive people, fully alive young people that are changing the generation that are making a difference with their passions submitted to your purpose, ultimately, God, so that you get the glory and we get the joy. And in the fallout of all of that, the world's going to get the good. So do it, God. Make it so. Let this not be in an emotional moment at the end of fuse, but let it be a lifestyle that we all live. And God, I pray we all take inventory of our lives tonight, old and young. And we ask ourselves the hard questions. Are my passions submitted to God's purpose? And if not, God, do some work in our souls. Cut away the things that need to be cut away and encourage and challenge the things that need to be encouraged. We worship you now, and we look forward to what you want to do, not just tonight, but next week at FSKO. We're excited about the salvation that you're going to pour out, the freedom and the joy and the purpose and the family that you're going to offer. And so, God, I pray tonight, even while we worship, you would put friends in our hearts. You would put teammates and classmates in our minds And that you would give us the boldness this week to go out of our way to be a bringer next week. And that we get to see incredible fruit as our friends step over the line of faith. As our friends step across and begin to walk in freedom. And this summer would be the best summer we've ever had. In Christ's name we pray all of this and we say together, amen.